Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. It's an epic poem. About, like, goblins and minotaurs and such. Uh, wrong on is both it not, Is counts. that not Homer's Odyssey? What one's that? Uh. <laughs> Goblins! <laughs> Rusty Quill presents Enthusiasm. Hello, friends and fans, and welcome to Enthusiasm, the show where we talk about a few of our favourite things. I'm your host, Helen Gould, one of the best Rusty Quillers. And today we're talking about fantasy books. And I am, hmm, I am... Bejeweled? Ooh, bewitched. Bewitched. Better. To be joined by Cole, Josh, and Tim. So, as always, we shall introduce ourselves alphabetically, which means that Cole, you are starting today. So, can you give us your pronouns and tell us what you do? My name is Cole. My pronouns are he, him, and I'm the creator and uh, narrator of the Town Whispers. Fantastic. And how's the Town Whispers going for you? Town Whispers is fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely uh, love being on the RQ network and meeting folks like uh, you, Helen. Oh, I didn't, I didn't, that was a genuine question. I didn't intend for that to be an advertise <laughs> um, how much you like us, but you gave us that anyway and I appreciate it. But specifically, only Helen, everyone else. Yeah, we've got issues with that Tim guy, but you, yeah, Helen, yeah, 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 yeah. you, I've made it onto enthusiasm. Yes, you have. Very happy to have you. 
Next up, Josh, can you give us your pronouns and tell us what you do? Hello, I'm Josh Fox, pronouns he, him. I am the designer of tabletop role-playing games such as Lovecraft Esque, Flotsam, Adrift Amongst the Stars, and Last Fleet. So, Tim, come on, what are your pronouns come and on. what do you do? Come on, Tim, what are your pronouns? Come, come on, on Tim! My name's Tim, I'm he, him, and I am best known on the Rest of Cool Network as being Trexel in Stella Firma, but that a series is over now, so now I'm just sort of hanging around and stealing sandwiches from tables. <laughs> so that's where they've all been going. Mmm, prawn cocktail. <laughs> oh, well then... I'm going to start us off with a very simple question, which is essentially, what is a fantasy book? What makes a book part of the fantasy genre? Does it need to have magic in it or to have had magic in it at some point? Does it need to have lots of world building? Does it need to be a trilogy? Does it need to have certain narrative and character tropes? I would like to hear any and all thoughts on this point. Is a big opening question. What is fantasy? I know. I just because these things, you know. Could you make a a relatively strong argument that basically fantasy books is when you start to write write myths down and folklore down, that's you're you're basically there. Like if you start writing down folk stories about stuff that is fantastical and you know warnings about stuff and yeah, all that stuff. You know, if you start writing is is. The Odyssey by Homer, a fantasy book? I say yes. Fight me in the street if you say no. I shall fight you in the streets next time I'm in Brighton because it's not that's not a fantasy well, book. Uh, in which in what in what way? It's an it's an epic poem. About like goblins and minotaurs and such. So uh, wrong on is both it not, Is that not Homer's Odyssey? What one's that? <laughs> uh. <laughs> Goblins! Not goblins. Goblins was a poor choice of words. A giant brass man with a heel you shoot. That's not real. Fantasy, I say. (laughs) The Odyssey is the one with the Cyclops. And with the witch that turns everyone into pigs. So I think it depends on whether Homer thought that the things he was writing about were real or not. Very good point. Mm. Yes. So is fantasy by definition fictional? Yes. I I mean, I think it doesn't count as fantasy unless you are including elements that are not thought to be part of the natural world. So was what Mm. Homer was doing just bad journalism? Maybe. I mean, (laughs) you'd have to ask him, wouldn't you? And he won't answer his mail. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's got no second name. That's why. Yeah, he just made it to Homer, the ancient world. And it doesn't get there. Cole, what do you think? Yeah, maybe I'm just being really basic here, but I think fantasy is just like any time that you can build a portal to another world and provide that escapism for someone. Mm. I I do agree with Tim, though. Uh, the Odyssey is uh, is fantasy. Yes. You're both incorrect. Oh. Listen, <laughs> sorry. minotaurs and house hippos, those are the two things I want more than anything to be real in the world, but neither are. Okay, somebody's going to have to explain to me what a house hippo is, because that sounds amazing. Yeah. Canadians will get it. So in the 90s, we had all these wonderful PSAs on TV, and one of them was the house hippo. And it had the worst, it had the opposite effect because every kid would watch the whole PSA, be like, house hippos, the North American house hippo. And they'd go hunting through their house for the house hippo. And they didn't re- <laughs> they didn't listen to the last bit, which was like, it said something to the effect of, don't believe everything you see on TV, right? And <laughs> it wasn't go. until like years later. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't until years later that everyone was like, oh, dang, I shouldn't have listened to everything I saw on TV. And so we all got left with like this empty pit in our hearts about the loss of this North American house hippo. It's like the American heifalump. Uh, kinda, but tiny and in your house, <laughs> like little mouse holes. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. Again? Minotaurs and house hippos, n- neither of those are in the Odyssey either. No minotaurs no. in the Odyssey. I thought there was. I've never read the Odyssey. I'm a terrible human being. N- n- no, oh. you're thinking that of... big maze. Theseus. Yeah. What's his face? You know, old king, what's his face? <laughs> was, there, was there a minotaur in Beowulf? I was about to say Theseus wasn't a king, but he did become a king later on. But this is not... We've already done the mythology episode. We're done. It's fine. We're not allowed to talk about it. We're all exposing our lack of a classical education. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm a pro. Oh, no. <laughs> this is why mother puts me in the cupboard. <laughs> the shame cupboard. The shame cupboard. Yes, I'll be better, mama. 
for the audience, you weren't here for that. Cole is currently recording from inside a cupboard. It's the best way. For the glorious audio quality <laughs> that I am sure you are currently experiencing. Touch wood. <laughs> so, a book is a fantasy book when it makes use of the imagination and is about other worlds, then. I would just maybe refine it a bit because, like, the, the point of naming a genre is to help people to find fiction that they're going to enjoy, right? Mm-hmm. So... While I would have no issue at all with somebody who, say, likes, I don't know, vampire erotica, <laughs> calling that a fantasy book, right? In more ways than one. <laughs> but I think that would be confusing for a lot of people if you labelled it as such. So that it, it's kind of, I think subgenres are quite helpful here mm. because it helps people to really zero in on the kind of thing that they really want. Heroic fantasy will be interesting to some, some people and not others. Urban fantasy, completely different mm cup of tea and if you just said oh this is fantasy you may get a pleasant surprise or an unpleasant surprise depending (laughs) okay so uh, urban fantasy is like you're in like a city and there are weird wizards on the corner and pixies in the drains and things like that with the risk of just getting even deeper into definitions i think urban fantasy is like you're in a real life city Mm. and Ah. around the corner is is weird would Artemis Fowl count that way? Because that's sort of like, it's largely set in Earth and Dublin, but also there are leprechauns and there's people killing each other with magic. So that's sort of set in the quote-unquote real world, but it's also got a fantasy element. I think that ends up getting counted as like young adult, which is a lovely term for, I don't know, this. <laughs> but like there's not active sex happening on the page. That's basically the only no-no. Other than that, just do what you want. Put it in the YA section. My favourite section. <laughs> so what do you think? Artemis Fowl? I don't actually know Artemis Fowl that well, so I, I would hesitate to opine. But I, I like, I think, inclusive genre categories are a good thing, generally. So probably, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if fantasy, like the all these genres, I mean, because there is so much overlap between genres like sci-fi and fantasy in most bookstores are just kind of lumped into the same section Mm -hmm. and then just kind of curtail from one to the other maybe they're just defined by the tropes they use and the only difference between something like artemis fowl and lord of the rings is kind of the tropes that are employed to tell the story Mm. or the 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 viewpoint or the emphasis whereas the emphasis in artemis fowl isn't necessarily on like this fantastical adventure in a new world it's more focused on Space leprechauns who become cops? <laughs> well, it's it's a crime. It's it's basically it's a crime story. It's about his kidnapping. It's like a heist story, it's like, right? Yeah, well, one of them's a heist. The Eternity, the Eternity Code, I think, is a heist. The first one's basically a kidnap <sighs> story. It's all very gritty, but in a YA sense, mm. which means it's not actually that gritty, but occasionally someone gets shot. Mm. But yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. Because yeah, a fantasy book tends to rely on some sort of epic quest of some kind mm. that, that's the, the problem i think if you start to rely on tropes then you do start to exclude things that would absolutely, on the basis of yeah. it's, it, it's not quite tolkien enough mm. and much as i love lord of the rings as everyone knows i love lord of the rings but ditto we should not model everything on what tolkien did absolutely not there should be a map at the start of every book and histories no who begat them i say and family trees at the back. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, no, I love all these things. <laughs> I am, I am the, I am the bad person in this call. I, I love staring at those little maps with like map. my entire heart and soul. And lore uh, fuels me. No, absolutely. Well, love it. my issue is that I don't care about the maps until I've read the book. I mean, fair. Yeah, it is a puzzler that they put them at the beginning, isn't it? You're like, you're looking at them, going, "Well, this is great." Yeah, well, I'm not sure what to make of it yet. Yeah, this means nothing to me. <laughs> What's this Shire thing of which they speak? Let's find out. Page one. And they kind of have spoilers in them too, right? Where they're like, the great fissure. And you're like, something bad happened in the middle of this. <laughs> the great fissuring. Oh. I do like the idea that there's a map and there's like, here's the bit where Frodo puts the ring in the volcano. Oh, I'm so sorry. I, I, you shouldn't have looked at the key. Known ring locations and the little legend beside. Chris Markers. <laughs> this is where yeah. this is where uh, Gimli and Legolas become mates. Oh, I spoiled that too. Lord of the Rings with the new comprehensive map. <laughs> You've got to put a content warning on this podcast for anyone who hasn't read it. Yeah, I mean, come on. You, you don't have to have read any of it and somebody has yelled the plot to you out of a passing car at this stage. It's true. It's yeah. basically impossible. Also, my, my policy as well that we don't give spoiler warnings for anything that's older than 10 years old because like... I, 
C- come on. Come Otherwise, on. I would. Th- it will just all all the show notes will just be lists of like spoiler warnings. <laughs> it's difficult on a pop culture podcast. <laughs> it is, but that's my rule, and I'm sticking yeah. to it. Josh, you looked like you were going to say something. Yeah, well, I was just thinking. It's quite interesting. A lot of fantasy books contain monsters that are objectively quite horrific. I mean, mm. just thinking about things like the Ring Wraiths, quite scary. Shelob. Yeah. And yet, like, the the point isn't really to be horrified or, like, the, at least the point of the whole book isn't. You mm. know, it's the, the book is about overcoming evil rather yeah. than yeah. being the victim of it. And I, that's a, a distinction I would maybe make. Although I'm generally in favour of a kind of a Venn diagram of genres. I don't, I don't, I reject the idea of separating fantasy from, from horror. But, yes. But even so. So maybe one of the distinctive things that separates fantasy and horror is that fantasy is about like overcoming the scary thing and horror is about like exploring and possibly being victimized by the scary thing. Yeah, a horror film, a horror book rather, rarely is like, and then we got it. Yeah. You know, like sometimes, yeah, but like only after most of everyone else has been got. Yeah. And then probably after we think we've got it. We haven't got it. Secretly, it's still there. Yeah. <laughs> is it is it that there's not a lot of books where they kind of beat the evil monster or whatever it may be at the end of the book or the fact that horror is a genre just there's still uncertainty no matter what and you're not mm. safe as you as safe as you are in other genres because I yeah. can think of a lot of books where they do get the monster at the end eventually but there's always the uncertainty of like you know what if yeah you got yeah. this one but who's to say there's not more you're never sure if it's going to be a happy ending and you don't come away feeling empowered and safe. No. You feel like, wow, we, we only just did that. And, and actually, I just want to go away and cry yeah. for a bit. And you, <laughs> you just put down the book, tears streaming down your face and go, I think I'll read another. Hooray. Hooray for this I genre. love horror. <laughs> I have done that before. <laughs> I don't know if a book, a book ever made me properly... You know what? I've just suddenly got... You remember the Darren Shan books? The Vampire's Apprentice. <gasps> oh, so good. Yes, I remember the Darren Shan so books. So Cirque du Freak. Cirque du Freak. Oh, yes. Yeah, so yeah. So good. Because that's, that's, that's a young adult fantasy horror, I suppose you could call it. Yeah. Urban fantasy. I remember there's a bit in that and the kind of the, the saddest, most horrible bit, I think, is later when he's he like he tries to drink the blood of a sheep because he doesn't want to drink human blood and he doesn't do it right. And the animal's sort of like sad and dying. And he's like, oh, oh. God. And then, oh. I remember that being like, this is the saddest thing that's happened in this book that contains a lot of murder because the sheep doesn't yeah. get it. The sheep's just like, I want to be your mate. Oh, what are you doing? Now I'm done. It's, I think, yeah, it's it's bad. But it's weird that, that mm. often in, in things like horror the most horrible thing isn't necessarily the the goriest, most intensely violent thing. Yeah. It's the, the little things and like the, the yeah. destruction of innocence and things like that are actually much more upsetting because it's almost like it's ultra violence. It's like it's too, it's it's violence to the point of it being silly, you know, like specifically, mm. what do they call them? Sla- not slasher flicks, but like those really intentionally splatter flicks. Splatter flicks. <laughs> yes. They're like, yeah. the point is this is not how this works. And this is really just over the top gory. And then you have stuff that has like the small stuff that really upsets you. And then maybe in the middle. So I'm just moving on to films. I'm so sorry. Like Hellraiser in the middle where it's sort of like. No, Hellraiser was a story first. It's all right. It's a book. Oh, there you go. I can get away with it. Hellraiser, (laughs) the book, which I've read. I love the actors in the book Hellraiser, where it's sort of like, it's sort of in between of like lots of gore, lots of violence, but it's all very much people being like, I didn't want this. I didn't want this. I didn't mean this. And I'm like going, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You didn't want Mm. this. It's happening now. Go. Sorry, bleep that. But (laughs) that is very much Pinhead's vibe. It's like, oi, ding dong. You shouldn't have opened the box. Anyway, come to hell. You know. <laughs> can we can we go back to Darren Shan for a second? Because yeah, I think you mentioned you mentioned the moment with the sheep. The, the whole Darren Shan series got me emotional from start to finish. And mm. you read those books and like even as a kid, you read those books in like four to eight hours each, mm. and they're super digestible. But the ending. Can we just have a, a moment of silent recognition for the conclusion? I don't know if I got to the end of it. How did it go? I never got to the end. Oh my gosh! Because it goes horror, fantasy kind of that urban fantasy thing with the vampires and then you get a bit of a sci-fi twist in it i'm not going to say anything if you guys haven't read it it is uh the ending shattered me as a 12 year old absolutely killed me because once again you kind of get to that 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 thing where it's like oh do you actually win and then you kind of start seeing like the whole series is about like consequence and actions right and like fate almost 
which is very interesting because you also get that in fantasy, mm. but the books are kind of YA horror. And then you also kind of get like this, this how fate works pra- in a practical sense with like multiverses, which goes into sci-fi. Yeah. Mm. So if you haven't finished Darren Shan, I would highly suggest doing so. Because <laughs> oh, it, it was one of those definitely, it was definitely one of those ones where I enjoyed them, but there were so many of them, and it was before oh, I was yes. really. And, and unfortunately, the absolute freight train that was the tens and tens of Terry Pratchett books really <laughs> juggernauted its oh, way yeah. through my young adult reading life, and there's just so many of them. So I never, I think I got like five books in, and then didn't didn't read the rest. But maybe I should go back. Uh, well, I, yeah, I don't know. Don't take it from me. It's really good, though. It's I... <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! You took a real. You were suggesting it so hard. You were like, "This is the one thing you should do before you die." <laughs> and then all of a sudden, on a dime, when I was like, "Yeah, I should do that," you were like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! You don't, you know, actually." <laughs> this is why mother put me in the cupboard for my unwarranted opinions. Read <laughs> Darren Shan, Mama. On that note, um, we're gonna take a little break, and we'll be back after these ads. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And welcome back. So we have thoroughly debated 
what makes fantasy fantasy and now we're going to get into the real nitty-gritty i would like to talk about the first fantasy books we remember reading because i'm the first one i tried to read was gormengast oh tough start mm. oh. i was too young yeah. for it i bounced off that like a brick wall could not get into that it is dense and then i was reading i think the darkest rising series after that what about the rest of you what did you read first I've got two answers to this, and it depends on what you define as a fantasy book. Give me them both, and then I'll tell you if you're right or not. Because of the fact that it is definitely not reporting the facts, would Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas be a fantasy book? Because <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely having a fantasy. How old were you when you were it... I was very it... young, because my parents mm. had a copy, and I picked it up. And I asked my dad, why would somebody soak a carpet with ether? And he knew something was up. Was like, <laughs> oh, jeez. Why, why, hey, buddy, hey, buddy boy, when you, um, what, where did you hear that? That is book. <laughs> what book? Fear and Loathing Las Vegas. Oh, interesting, interesting. Could I see that? And then the book was gone. <laughs> so, <laughs> Throw that in outer space. Yeah, so, but if that's not counted, Mm-mm. then it would be, it would be Terry Pratchett and it would be The Hogfather and I bounced off of that. Oh, really? I did not like, I read, I read a bit of it and was like, meh, I don't know about this. And then didn't read it and then came back to, with Guards, Guards and then read the whole shebang from start to finish. So, yeah, it was it was a Terry Pratchett start, but with a false start. Oh, that's that's nice though, that you read them all afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I still haven't that. I still have a bit of a thing against the Hogfather because I remember <laughs> it being like, what's, what's this? I don't get it. Stupid. Tiatame, what's this? Get away from me. <laughs> and then it was Vimes and I was like, yes, I'm in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Josh, what about you? The first fantasy novel that I can distinctly remember reading is Elric of Melnibone by Michael Moorcock. Oh, what's that about? I've not heard of it, actually. Oh, it's part of the Eternal Champion ser- series, which is an extremely expansive series, which like the metaphysic is that theoretically all of the main characters in these books are basically the same character incarnated differently in some different part of the Multiverse. I'm, I'm not sure if Moorcock might have been the first person to mess around with multiverse ideas in, in fantasy books. Anyway, Elric of Melnibone was sort of conceived as a sort of polar opposite to Conan the Barbarian, which was going around at the time. Mm. So he's this kind of weedy sorcerer character who calls on dark gods to aid him against the baddies in the book and ends up with a, getting a demon sword that eats souls. And so it's all kind of metal fantasy. I guess it's like the early incarnation of fantasy as as metal cover. It's all kind of full of, you know, uh, Games Workshops for Powers of Chaos. Mm. It's essentially all based on the kind of ripped off from Michael Moorcock. So it's full of kind of weird, gribbly chaos gods and things. And the, the, the battle between law and chaos is... Is central to it. It's great. Because I, I always thought Moorcock was more... Because I, I, my exclusive exposure to Moorcock is, again, we had some of the books. And if you went hunting through them, there might be a lady on the front of one of them not wearing as many clothes. Oh. And when you're 14, it's like, cha-ching, pay dirt. <laughs> and so I always... And it, I think it was literally like lesbian lovers through time Like was one of the... Aww. There's definitely one of those sort of things. And I, oh, I always thought Moorcock was sort of all of that like pulp sci-fi stuff. I didn't realise it was also metal fantasy oh it's super pulp i mean it's it's and it's total trash really i mean (laughs) well it is i mean it's it's very you can love trash i I mean i think it's great i'm reading some some of his stuff to my kid right now which is probably very ill-judged i'm having to edit out quite a lot of (laughs) rape and whatnot (laughs) torture and then they and then Hang on, no, no, most of this page is bad. Um, hang on, no, this, no, that page is bad. Okay, here we are. Afterwards, we... On you go. Redacted, redacted. No, no, I, ju- I just sort of... You just edit out the odd subclause of a sentence and it mostly still makes sense. It's fine. <laughs> he doesn't know. He doesn't realise I'm doing it, I'm sure. <laughs> My dad used to deliberately replace words in the fairy tales for me so, so that I would yell at him. He would say things like, once upon a time, there was a lovely turnip. And I'd say, it wasn't a turnip, it was a princess. And he'd be like, no, it says turnip. Sorry, it says turnip. Aww. I do that for my daughter. I, re- oh. I read her the, the, the Winces and the Prison and she has to shout, it's not the Winces and the Prison, it's the Princess and the Wizard Daddy. <laughs> and yet I still do it every time for some reason. It's because it's fun to wind up your kids. Yeah. Why have them if you can't be, <laughs> if you can't lie to them? It's a great way to get them engaged too. <laughs> 
Cole, what was the first fantasy book you read? Oh, man. Everyone has such niche picks here. I'm trying to figure out because the beginning of my fantasy adventure was kind of like a mishmash all at the same time because I got over enthusiastic. Ooh. So I want to say it was The Hobbit, but then I also can't remember if I read Philosopher's Stone before The Hobbit, and I think I did. So I'm trying to remember if it was Harry Potter, The Hobbit, or A Wizard of Earthsea. Is it Ursula Le Guin? Is that her? Ursula K. Le Guin, yeah. Ursula Le Guin, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think I started off with Harry Potter because mm. I was like that cool kid with the uncle who was traveling in Europe and then I got sent a package <laughs> from England and I got all like the English versions of the book. I see. So I had Philosopher's Stone, or not the Sorcerer's Stone and all that stuff. And mm. then while I was waiting for the fourth book to come out, Goblet of Fire, I think I went on a tear through like... The entire Diana Wynne-Jones, Christomancy series, A Wizard mm. of Earthsea. Terry Goodkind was a really bad call. Shouldn't have gone there. I don't really like Redacted. Yeah, so I, I think it was, yeah, a tear through all those books. It was all a mishmash, but I think Harry Potter was the first one. I just had a sort of memory that I read. I think it was called The Wind Singer. Oh my God, The Wind Singer. I've gone wrong, Tess. I've gone wrong. <laughs> What? There's a bit in the Windsinger where, like, he gets like his his body is cursed, or like his mind is taken, and he just turns to his sister and yells, "I've gone wrong!" And me and my brother used to yell that at each other. <laughs> <laughs> the Windsinger. I haven't thought about that in years. Neither have I. I don't remember anything about it apart from maybe there was a girl in a carriage. Yeah, and it's all about like people in like a, a class system, a colour based, yeah. a colour coded class system. Yeah. Who can imagine such a thing? Yeah, it's all and there's these these big wind towers that need to be reactivated to save the world or something. But yeah, they are weird. Those were weird mm. books. That's awesome. Wow, that sounds like a precursor to Red Rising. Oh, yes. I, I only recently listened to Red Rising. Very good. Yeah, it gets very... But that color-based, that color-based like, yeah, the reds and system such. in society, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, that was mm. a good one. Who's that by? Pierce Brown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Red Rising. Yeah, good. So good. They are good. My next question, again, again, a very simple question. What do you think makes a good fantasy book? <laughs> because I'm sure we've all read bad ones oh, man. That, that, you know, shall remain nameless. But what makes a fantasy book actually good? Like, is it the world building? Is it the characters? Is it the sense of achievement at the end? Yeah. What do we think? <laughs> it was really long and I finished it. Hooray. <laughs> it might be a tedious answer, but it's the same thing that makes any book. If it's a good book and it's a fantasy book, it's a good fantasy mm. book. If it's got good character building and a believable... When I say believable, I don't mean realistic. I mean well-fleshed-out world and you care about the characters, then yeah. congratulations, good fantasy book. I don't think what makes a good fantasy book a good fantasy book is any different to what makes a good noir gumshoe novel a good noir gumshoe novel. It's all it's all about being a good book. I realise that's a really closed answer of like, I don't know, it's a good book, Helen. What do you want from me? And I just push over <laughs> the microphones and walk away. It's okay. It's a valid answer. Yeah. But if I play devil's advocate here for a second and yeah. ask you the question, Tim, have you ever read a fantasy book where the characters weren't terribly likable and the plot wasn't terribly intriguing, but the magic system kind of and the way that the <sighs> magic system was used and the characters kind of dilemmas? I, I clearly remember like books where it was like almost a, a, an, an escape room where I was only reading it to find out how this magic system would be utilized in order yeah. for the main character to get out of a dilemma. That's a fair point. Wow. That's a fair point because there was, uh, and I might make some enemies, but that what was that book? And I think it might be a Lovecraftyish horror place. And he's about like an IT guy who's trying to deal with eldritch horror. Oh, the one about the, um, not washing machines. The laundry. Yes, yes, yeah, the, the laundry. laundry. Yes, what what is that book series? It's called the Laundry series. It is called the Laundry. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Sorry, because it's classic. classic. The Laundry series. Because I seem to remember, like, I kind of enjoyed them, but I, I remember being like, uh, it's maybe especially in the first one. I remember being like the main character being like, yeah, okay, you're you've, you're sort of like a slightly sarcastic foil character for the author to speak through. I don't care, but <laughs> the actual sort of like, holy crike, holy crike, holy crikes. Holy cracks, Batman! <laughs> how how are they gonna how are they gonna get out of this jam? In the sense of you've awoken the old gods and they know you're there. Mm. I really care about this guy. So you make a very good point, Cole. Oh, thank you. <laughs> what do you reckon, Josh? So 
I mean, I, I'm kind of on the same page as Tim in terms of like, I want it to be a good book, right? And it's got to have engaging characters. It's got to have an engaging plot. But I think what makes a, a good fantasy book good as distinct from just any old book is it is to do with like creating a an engaging and believable world mm. that draws you in. Because mm. to me, what makes fantasy fantasy is is that sense of this could not happen in our world right mm. it has to draw you into that and i think that's kind of what cole was maybe getting at the kind of can you get drawn into a whole kind of system of magic and and become interested in that even if the rest of the book is not that good i mean for me probably not i i need the book to be a good book as well but i could definitely see how a really engaging metaphysic can be an important component of a good fantasy book and if you added something like that to you know a piece of mainstream literature it wouldn't add anything to it because that's not the point yeah right Hmm. like in the in the terry pratchett books like the and i'm going to use your word because it sounds good metaphysics of the world like the way the (laughs) world works is anything that's a kind of a satirical reflection like the kind of the magic system and the way the world works in the Discworld novels is basically whatever is going to be a good comment on the absurdity of something will be the system by which things work, like the whole narrativium <laughs> thing and the whole... But the fact that you can have a fantasy novel where, like, is it the third book in is equal rights? Like, by by book three, it's like, all right, witches and wizards, but what about the integration of male and female education in this world? Like, we're kind of... We're on different topics now. <laughs> Or the one, the, the one that's about the banking system, like fantasy novel about the introduction of the postal and banking system into this world. And you're like, yes, I will <laughs> read this book and it will be great because it's, yeah, as you say, in that kind of very realistic, unreal world. I mean, mm. Pratchett is particularly good at that, right? And partly because he he steals and riffs off real world mm. stuff like the, the postal system. And he's, he's not just making that stuff up, no. right? He's, he's basing it on, on real life stuff, but he is amazingly good at then weaving that into his very detailed and consistent fantasy world. And that's, that's part of his success is that he's drawn people into mm. and fall in love with a particular world. Yeah. How do dwarfs and trolls interact with the introduction of the free press? Like, okay, cool, fine. What? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> God, I love Terry Pratchett so much. <sighs> yeah, he was an excellent writer. Every time we talk about him, I'm just like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> excellent. That's the energy we want on this podcast. <laughs> sort of an angry grunt. Books. Books with footnotes. I would say that I think I think the, the magic thing is important. I don't subscribe to some discussions I've seen going around where people have said, oh, magic needs to make sense in these ways or magic needs to have rules or magic needs X or Y. Like I, I fully subscribe to the idea that magic can just be magic and I don't have to understand it to think that it's cool. But it's not It's not really a proper fantasy book if it, there isn't magic somewhere in it for me. Oh, that's an interesting discussion. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a fantasy book that doesn't. Well, I, I wonder what everyone's opinion is on soft magic systems versus hard magic systems. Like, do you prefer when a magic system is completely explained to you or when they say, when they have like a hidden rule set that is a little more loose that the author keeps close to the chest and it's kind of like up to you to kind of paint in the lines and kind of come to your own conclusion as to, like say like the Malazan series, doesn't exactly explain how any of the magic works. So it'd be like a soft magic system. Whereas in like the Lightbringer series, they kind of go in through like, oh, subviolet light, like violet light, um, sub, oh my gosh, I can't think of the language, but yellow light is very hard and rigid and blue light is uh, more jelly-like and and they go mm. into like how you bend these lights and how they all kind of interact with one another and how they can be interwoven as opposed to like the Malazan series where it's like, and he swung his sword and thousands of perished in a fire because he made this huge tidal wave of death or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I think they, they kind of serve different purposes because the, 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 yeah. like the soft magic system is like when it's like, look, this isn't the point. Mm. The point here isn't discovering the intricacies of how 
it all for like if you're doing a sci-fi book it doesn't constantly talk about how electricity works and now immediately going to stop and say bugger loads of them do and that's a stupid point <laughs> and most sci-fi is about like look at this amazing thing now get prepare for 15 pages of why it's so damn cool <laughs> right the core but do you know what i mean like they like sometimes it's not about it's not about the magic the magic is a means to an end it's not about it go soft magic if it's like actually i want to explore the meaning of this and often how this magic system is some sort of comment on something you want to go hard yeah i think they're both isn't that kind of interesting though for me personally whenever i get confronted with a soft magic system or a magic system that doesn't whatever terminology you want to use doesn't explain how it is that it works i spend the entire book looking for clues Mm. so like that unintended consequence is that it becomes more important to me whereas in Lightbringer, I don't have to think about, I think it's cool how they utilize it. And then the rules of that system have to stay consistent for how they solve a problem. Mm. But then reading something like Malazan or another series where the magic system isn't completely drawn out for me, I spend half the time red stringing it, figuring out how this, if this magic system has a consistent Mm. internal logic, that's just not being delivered to, I'm playing devil's advocate here. I don't even know if I fully agree with this, but. um, (laughs) Are they using it as a get out of jail free card because they couldn't work out oh with magic and we haven't you know we'd have to worry about it yeah yeah but i suppose on the other hand the magician's trick is if you explain the magic it's less interesting it's it's you know like for that moment you're like oh okay that's how it works but then it's just the thing then it's just you know yeah. nails and screws and pieces of wood it's it's not this potentially interesting thing so if you leave it's a soft magic system it's a bit more like well, what do you think it is? And then you go, oh, okay, well, I'll think about it. Whereas a hard magic system, you don't have to think about how it is because you've been told. Time has run away with me and we are coming to the end of the episode. So I'd like to hear what your favourite fantasy book or book series is because I know that fantasy books often come in in triplets or quintuplets or decadents. I don't know what you'd call 10 of them. Decadents. Because mine is the Realm of the Elderlings series by Robin Hobb. And I think there are 18 books in that series. You think you're done and then the Ship of Madness is here. That was what I meant earlier, Tim, when I said I would read a book and cry and then move on to the next one. They are all very sad. They're like, hey, we've reached the end of the quest and it didn't help. Next book. Yeah. Let's give you some more trauma. Yeah. Would you like some more of that? Thanks, and I'm Hobo. like, yeah, okay, I'll have some more. <laughs> Please, sir, another bowl of sadness. <laughs> yes. There was one particular line where, oh, how am I going to set the scene for this? The villain has sort of been defeated, but like they're not dead and the hero is just leaving them there. They're just walking away and the villain is like, come back and I can you know, give you all your dreams. But the hero has the corpse of someone who's very close to him. And he says, my dream was dead in my arms. And he walks away and leaves, leaves. I, Crikey. Oh. <laughs> oh. Enjoy your book. Christ. It hurts, but it's very good. Oh, God. Anyway, other favourite fantasy books, please go. Uh, 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 Dog Body by Diana Wynne-Jones, A Wizard of Ursi by Ursula K. Le Guin. I'm trying to think of things that'll make me sound smart because everyone in here has such niche picks. Yeah, yeah, uh. you're going to sound smart. if you. Oh, God, if, if you say The Hobbit, everyone's going to laugh at you and throw stones. No, no, we won't. No, <laughs> no we won't. You don't have good. to sound... Like you um, are smart. You don't have to try yeah. and sound smart because you are smart. It's fine. We love you. Thank Promise. you so much. <laughs> the first King of Shannara was a uh, particularly uh, good book. The first trilogy in the Shannara or Shannara, however you want to say it, set series of series was really good. A Wizard of Ursi really has a special place in my heart. And then I believe the book was called Dog Body, but I read it once and then lost the book about the constellation Sirius who falls to Earth and then has to like kind of learn about life stuck in a dog's body. That sounds good. Those are all really good. Yeah. And then, I mean, obviously, Lord of the Rings, everyone likes that. But (laughs) I think for me, it would probably be most of my favorite fantasy books exist in the 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 ya section of the bookstore and i'm it's the best section hate to admit that but it's it's so plot driven so anything plot driven gets me no i'm Mm. right there with you all almost all of my favorite books would would go in in the ya section right the best so good (laughs) 
It is. Like, sure, mm. Ian McEwan's <laughs> fine, but get over to that YA section because somebody's <laughs> parents are dead and they're about to go on a quest. Exactly. <laughs> So what's your favorite then Tim? So I've got I've got a couple. I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't be pressed Discworld. to one. I mean yes. I mean Terry Pratchett's Discworld looms large. It's like 45 books. It's just there hovering. It's like the roof of your house, you know. Occasionally it'll leak, but other than that don't worry about it. And then I really like the I I think the trilogy the, the trilogy is the Gentleman Bastards, um, but it's the Lies of Locke Lamora is is the first oh, book. Oh, that's Yes, good. I know that that's one. That's good. Yeah, good call. The Scott Levin books. They are cracking urban fantasy, sort of like it- Italianate. It's like they're in like weird fantasy Florence. Venice, Florence. Yeah, it's it's yeah. They're cr- a cracking set of books, and I go, I've read, I reread them about three or four times, and it's all it's all about confidence trickster. He's like fantasy confidence trickster heist thing. Mm. The first one's about being a being a confidence trickster and a bandit. The second one's about being uh, is a heist movie. And the third one's a pirate one, I think, or maybe the other way around. But it... No, no, you're right. I think yeah. the last one is the pirate it's one. It's all good. And then the other one is the Joe Abercrombie books, um, starting with the first law, oh, the blade yeah. itself. And again, he writes them at a pace that you wouldn't believe. And they are a little bit like, it's like good airport fantasy, if that makes sense. Oh. Like they're not like vastly complicated, but they're good and they're bleak and they're and they're, the series goes on and on it's up to the industrial revolution kind of setting now and it's just mm. great eat them up all day tim tim tim, oh, tim oh i've got yes tim, yes yeah 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 tim 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 yeah. have you read mark lawrence no i've not read mark lawrence you should read mark lawrence if you like joe abercrombie you'll like mark lawrence mark lawrence lawrence <laughs> googling yeah, mark lawrence, it mark lawrence, mark lawrence. Yeah, yeah yeah google american it. british novelist prince of thorns king of thorns red sister yeah. Yep. Noted. Yeah. Thanks, Cole. Real good. Thanks, Cole. Real Thanks, Cole. Thanks, Thanks. Okay, bye, cool. bye, bye. And back to the show. <laughs> Keep it in. Keep it in. Yeah. I demand it. <laughs> so, Josh, tell us your favourite. Well, let me tell you, Tim has really stolen my thunder I'm sorry, there. Because Josh. Oh. absolutely the two that were at the top of my oh. mind. So I've frantically been looking through my list of all the fantasy books I've ever read, which I obviously did to prepare for this, as you would. <laughs> and I'm going to pull out some which I really like, but wouldn't have, have made the cut otherwise. So I'm going to thank you, Tim, for giving me the opportunity to do that. I'm, so, I'm really genuinely sorry. I hate when people do that to me. <laughs> I thought, no one's going to know this this Lies of Loch Lamora because I've never heard anyone else talk about it. So What? That's very good. Super, super good. <sighs> Such a good book. So I'm going to recommend Throne of the Crescent Moon, which is by Saladin Ahmed, and it's a kind of islamic fantasy now i'm going to potentially embarrass myself there by getting that wrong because i don't know whether it's strictly islamic or just kind of islamic themed if you like it's kind of it's got the jinn and it's got sorcerers who do a a very different kind of magic and it's it's just a really good romp i think Mm. salad ahmed is a comic writer most of the time excellent fantasy read there and I want to mention Marie Brennan's Natural History of Dragons series. Ooh. That is a really interesting take on dragons because it's written from the perspective of a character who is basically a kind of, I can't remember whether it's like a more of a paleontologist or a zoologist, maybe kind of a bit of both of, of dragons mm. and going off on, on fun little sort of Victorian scientist-esque adventures investigating dragons. Really good series and there's a whole bunch of them so yeah the, the first one stands on its own but then you can get into more if you like it very good excellent i just suddenly thought i can't the, but also i'm just going to say the words out loud bartimaeus trilogy jonathan stroud also oh, so absolutely good. amazing <laughs> the gin so oh, good sassy gin want a sassy gin come on <laughs> <laughs> you, do you want a sassy gin a sassy gin love do you want a sassy gin? I'm doing a horrible <laughs> English accent. Can I add one though too as well? Can I? I'm getting all excited now because now I'm actually remembering books. <laughs> the Dandelion Dynasty by Ken Liu. Ooh, never heard of it. Yeah, he 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 mentioned the 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 Islamic inspired one, and I just realized that we basically just went for all these like stereotypical like Anglo-Saxon mm, fantasies. Yeah, yeah. But Ken Liu, the Dandelion Dynasty, is like inspired by chinese culture and Mm. it actually takes place over a myriad of generations and sets in basically it's about a dynasty and a family as opposed to a single character in the first book you go through three generations of characters amazing right okay we are now over time (laughs) larry has made more and more emphatic faces during the recording (laughs) occasionally saying things clearly out loud but whilst muted it's good stuff (laughs) 
Thank you so, so much for this. This has been such a lovely way to spend an evening. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Listener, thank you for listening along. I hope you have some recommendations now to choose from. I shall see you on the next episode. But for now, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from the rest of them. Do you all want to say goodbye? Goodbye. Goodbye. Read well, listener. Read well. Indeed. (laughs) Enthusiasm is a podcast distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Alike 4.0 International License. It is directed by Helen Gould, produced by Lori Ann Davis, with executive producers Alexander J. Newell and April Sumner, and edited by Marissa Ewing, Tessa Vroom, and Catherine Minella. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello all, it's Helen here, the voice of Azu from Rusty Quill Gaming and the host and director of Enthusiasm. Today, I'm here to tell you about The Programme. The Programme audio series is a science fiction anthology podcast set in a world where money, state, and God are fused into a single entity. Every episode is a standalone story featuring ordinary people inhabiting this extraordinary world. And for them, it's not the future that is terrifying, but our present. The programme is sometimes funny, sometimes poignant, but it is always smart. Find out more about the programme at www.rustyquill.com or www.programaudioseries.com or search for The Programme Audio Series wherever you listen to your podcasts. Have fun and enjoy the episode.